everybody. I'm Dan Kurtzke. And I'm Chad Bogleman. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 149. Yes, the big 149. We mm. finally hit this milestone. Yeah, the yeah, odd numbers. Woohoo! That's what we shoot for. We should. We should start that trend. We should tr- blaze that trail. <laughs> Let the odd numbers rise from mediocrity. Is it a more significant episode because it's an odd number or because Jim's not here? I choose to celebrate. You can fill it in yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The kids are in charge of the show now. Yeah. Old old man dad is off doing, I don't know, probably sleeping in. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, you can can get up early when you have a new baby. That's how that works. (laughs) Um... So, so because Jim's not here to facilitate most of what we're going to do, we're just going to uh, take a couple of the other segments around with it. Uh, the first being something that has come up before, and it's probably come up before on our show, but I don't think it has in a little while, but I think it's kind of a prudent thing to talk about now, <clears throat> is... wait. Okay, it is recording. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It has been somewhere between seven and eight years. Is it time for Jeff Johns to walk away from Green Lantern? And by walk away from Green Lantern, I want to specify that I mean no longer writes it or is involved with guiding it in a general, like, like, like any more than someone like Dan, or not Dan Tadio, or Jim Lee is, you know, like he just he just takes a hands-off approach to it. Hmm. So no involvement whatsoever. No, I'm. I mean, he's part of what runs the company, so he's gonna have some involvement, just like he has involvement in freaking Stormwatch, you know. But, but, yeah, you know, the. Put it this way, he's, he focuses his creative talents on Justice League and Aquaman, and he focuses his uh, his more supervisor-eel capacity on the, uh, the multimedia aspects of DC Entertainment, which I think is what his his uh, title means anyway, but, but yeah. Is it time to have Green Lantern without the guiding hand of Jeff Johns? Mm. Man, that's the kind of topic that I should have had time to prepare for. Fuck. Ah. <laughs> um, or at least a third I, person to fill time. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, it, you know, possibly a topic that could, you know, I don't know, very well lead into the other topic we were supposed to discuss. I know, it was really rather perfect, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. Can we just rag on Jim for an hour? <laughs> we could do that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, you go first. I gotta collect my thoughts on this, because, yeah, I mean, I, on one hand, yeah, on one hand, no, so I gotta collect my thoughts on this particular... Yeah. Well, for, for me, it grows out of the fact that since... I'm gonna say since around Blackest Night... The book has been, gone from consistently good to consistently well inconsistent. Like it's like I like look back on 
you know, on the occasion when we do review the monthly issues here, I I feel like I'm going constantly going back and forth between oh this is a buy, oh this is a pass, oh this is a buy, oh this is a pass. Like it I think we're very well out of the realm where a Jeff Johns issue of Green Lantern is a sure thing. You know, and it used to be like like, oh my god, the new issue is out. I cannot wait to see what this guy does. This guy's like my favorite writer out there and not to say that you have to be the best to do a capable job i think most of the time he still does a capable job but i mean i think jim kind of shined a light on it a little while ago when he when he pointed out that the third army is basically the third time in a row jeff johns has built us up to a major green lantern crossover event that's just the Green Lantern Corps fighting an army of zombies. Mm-hmm. And that kind of made me think about the fact that, like, okay, I mean, look at how his career in Green Lantern kind of evolved over time, where, like, after, like he, after, after Rebirth, when this all started up, we got what we thought was, like, a bunch of, you know, nice, short, self-contained stories that were just good short stories. And then we eventually realized that all along, we've been reading the build-up to the Sinestro Corps War, even before we knew what that was. And it's like, oh my god. And then there was a cool-down issue or two. And then a couple of of uh, short, self-contained, cool stories that were actually built up, building up to the Blackest Night. And it's like, oh my god. And that was cool, too, because they were awesome quality and now, and I feel like we keep going in that cycle, except now the in-between stuff isn't as good, and the crossovers they're building to aren't as interesting, so it's it kind of feels like we're getting more of the same over and over and over again, and the quality's starting to deteriorate the further we go. Hmm. Yeah, um... Shit, um... <clears throat> yeah, just the Jeff Johns is it's great writer and he's doing a lot of stuff for Green Lantern and I mean let's face it for me personally after you know jumping in my first issue you know when I started steadily collecting comics you know a couple of years ago was the Rage of the Red Lantern special and then I started from there um so Jeff Johns is really all the Green Lantern I've known as far as current is concerned. Um, you know, I've gone back and collected the back issues, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't know because of the hype he brings to the book and everything. But I, I, I can see the, I can see the point that it's probably time for him to go. Um, and that's not in any way like a derogatory statement towards him. It's just. You know, I just yesterday I bought the the second hardcover of the Green Lantern, you know, New Fifty Two series with the whole Indigo Tribe thing and <clears throat> the Revenge of the Black Hand and all that kind of stuff, and was starting to read through it. And some of that stuff, I mean, it's good, but it's like you're you're reading as you're reading it in hardcover form, you're like. Uh, wait, this is like four issues. This this one story, really? 
and it, it it's it's a little exciting and it, it's a little exciting in trade, but it's uh, which is as we all know pretty much how Jeff Johns writes is mostly for the trade, um, or at least his style fits nicely into writing for the trade. Yeah, uh, and um, then you think back of like, wait, was I enjoying this in single issues? Like, was it coming out? Was it as exciting in single issues? And I had to think, and no, not really. I mean, it was cool, like, when you got to the whole revelation page of, um, you know, the history of the world knock and all that kind of stuff, and, you know, when Black Hand died and all that kind of thing. Uh, spoilers. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I just, I don't know who would replace him, and I don't know what I expect from him, but it just seems to me that those here's what's coming next pages are John's way of keeping everybody interested. You know? Yeah. And you've made the point before how, how it can sometimes feel like he's spread a little too thin. With, I, I mean, is he, he's only writing like three books, right? Is there more? Uh-uh. Um, it's Justice League, Aquaman, Green Lantern, and then Justice League of America. Oh, that's right. That's right. I forgot that one was starting up. And we gotta, we gotta, you know, we gotta assume right now that since issue two, you know, we'll get to this later with the Larfley's report, but with issue two of Justice League of America already solicited, you know, he's already got Justice League of America on his on his plate, so to speak, as far as, you know, what he's doing daily right now. So, planning that, and then his job, his role as uh, chief creative officer or whatever, like whatever the official title is actually called. Yeah, I mean, I I don't, um, you know, to me, it seems like chief creative officer is a huge thing. Um, You know, you'd be probably heavily involved with cons, with um, the TV shows you have on Cartoon Network, with the movies, the development of movies, uh, and, you know, basically all of DC's properties in any other medium but comics. Uh, and, well, you know, I guess it would include comics, but, you know, just kind of, you know, making sure it's all fairly consistent and cool. But I think that it, it seems to me like that, that role can't be really be done properly if you're writing four books. And I think, I think you can, I think you can see the books suffering as a result. And it's not, it's not that they're bad. I mean, but you got to consider the four books we have currently with Red Lanterns, New Guardians, Green Lantern Corps, and Green Lantern. It's not the worst of the bunch, but it's, as you were saying earlier, it's consistently just kind of meh, and then every now and then you'll get an issue that you go, oh shit, are we back? Are we, are we back to full throttle right now? Is this, or is this what we're doing? You know, and it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I think it's, yeah, I think he, I think he's, should either step down or he needs to rearrange his focuses. Like he can't, he can't do all of this. Not anymore. Yeah. Like I know on the Marvel side of the fence, there are plenty of fans of things like, like the X-Men who have noticed like a blatant drop in quality in the X-Men books because, you know, the one writer who's writing on canny X-Men all of a sudden has to write two issues a month because of double shipping. So, And Jeff Johns is writing four books a month, which with 
granted, probably varying degree of detail in his script, because I think something like Aquaman is probably kind of, it, it's it's a lighter read in that it's not like super bogged down with like text or story, and, and that sounds like I'm <clears throat> I'm complaining about it, but I'm not. It's a really fun book, but at the same time, you read. Aquaman and you read Justice League and it's two very different styles of comic Mm -hmm. so like that kind of variation can probably like make it a little more manageable but I think that also takes away from the kind of script he tends to write or at least he tries to continue to write for Green Lantern and I don't like I don't I'm not coming into this with an idea of like who I would like to see him replace with at the same time there's something kind of exciting about thinking about that though like like not not even like picking out an individual but just thinking about like like the con- that uh, the concept the appeal of green lantern under a new creative vision we, like you said we've had we've had almost a decade of of the jeff johns version of what green lantern should be and it can be argued that it's been kind of distilled down to the core of what the Silver Age sci-fi Green Lantern is. But at the same time, it's it's gotten to the point where it's very almost saturated with Jeff Johns' sensibilities. So, like, I mean, like, if you go back and read, like, like a pre-Johns issue with all these same characters in it, it's it feels different, you know? It's, so, like, it, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's that whole appeal of like trying something new with something old that kind of kind of makes me think we're getting a little too stagnant. If that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, yeah, it's the the problem I see with with Green Lantern is um, you know because if you're if you've been reading Green Lantern, let's you know I think it's a fair bet to say. That for most people, and this is excluding people who you know came in at the start of the New Fifty Two, but for most people, if you are um, reading Green Lantern now, you've probably been reading it for a long time, and he keeps dropping in all of these random things that we could get a follow up to, like Nat Romo saying something about saying goodbye to his tribe, and he wants to say goodbye to his family. So what could that mean? And, that uh, indigo tribe ring that was meant for Black Hand that is off searching for a replacement sentient in 2814. What happened with that? You know, and all these minor things that he keeps dropping in there just for the fun of it. And, you know, maybe we'll follow up with it later. Maybe we won't. But it just seems... It just seems like all of it's getting away from him. You know, and... It's kind of falling into the realm of the... Uh... Orange Lantern Oath and the Rage Kitty Valentine special. <laughs> yeah, and and just speaking of, um, there mm-hmm. I I don't know. Uh, I think we might have skipped a Larfley's report somewhere uh, between the pre- the last one you guys heard and the one we're doing now uh, or, or later. But um, there's a Valentine's Day special that's been solicited. Really? Um, for for DC and it's just a bunch oh. of various couples and it's like kind of an anthology and I saw a Valentine's Day special and I didn't see any even mention of it but anyways oh. um 
Yeah, it just, you know, I when they were reading, um, when we were reading articles about Wrath of the First Lantern, um, which has been solicited in this, this current <clears throat> previews, um, it, it's like, oh, there's these cool, exciting things coming, but, like, we're not, we were, when we read about Wrath of the First Lantern, we either hadn't yet or just barely started the Rise of the Third Army storyline, which makes me think that they were soliciting it just to make sure people stayed interested. Yeah. And I don't know about you, but Wrath of, or, or um, uh, Third Army is just meh. I mean, I'm not really. I'm I'm excited when I you know when a new sort of sorcery or Phantom Stranger or, um, you know something else comes out. But you know when um, when Green Lantern hits. For the most part, I think Green Lantern is the only title that I'm like, oh, I'm kind of curious to see what happens. I think I'll read this right now. But Red Lantern's, you know, Green Lantern Core, Green Lantern Core is getting better, uh, actually. Um, and New Guardians, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I think, you know, on, on the one hand, because I just talked about this not too long ago on the show. On the one hand, I think there should be a whole lot of consistency in the um, in the DCU uh, books, and you know if Superman is off doing such and such and such and such and this one title and it's this huge event, or it's you know some big character build, you know like let's say you know and I know this is not the case now, but let's say you know him and Lois got in this huge argument and their relationship is done over in Action Comics, let's say. And you're reading Superman 2, and uh, it just turns out that for some reason, I guess they're dating over that one. I don't think that should be happening, especially not in the new 52 as it was billed to us. Um, but at the same time, you take a green, the Green Lantern books, and I think that some of them, I think they're suffering by having to march to Jeff Johns' beat. Yeah. Although I do think the Lantern books, or with Green Lantern in general, kind of has... Well, I can't really say this definitively because I don't read the entire DC line right now. But it's like the the Lantern books uh, feel like they do kind of take place in the same world as each other and are kind of paying attention to each other. To the point that like <clears throat> Jeff Johns is also writing Justice League and he took Hal Jordan out of Justice League when mm-hmm. he knew he was going to be taking him off the board in Green Lantern as well. So... That's it's got it's kind of got that cohesion to it, albeit to like a like a more subtle degree, if you want to call it that. Alright, and I'm gonna bring Jim in, I think. Hello. And joining us on the phone is Rat Bastard Jim Ford. Hello, Jim. You're on the air. <laughs> oh yeah. Only an hour and five minutes late. That's... Yeah. I think I think Chad still has me beat. Does he? Pretty sure. All right. Well, well, Jim, would you care to comment on the last 22 minutes of things we've talked about? <laughs> 22 minutes. <laughs> oh, wait, was that your pop topic? Yep. It's actually a pretty good conversation. You better not ruin it. What was the topic? <laughs> it it uh, leads nicely into your topic. It, it really, really does. This would have been the most seamless transition we've ever done. Oh. Well, here, I am. here I am to throw a wrench into the works. Yes, uh, basically, the short, non-22-minute version 
the hell was that? It's James. He's he's trying to burp. Oh, and that's adorable. <laughs> um, the non twenty two minute version is basically, is it time for Jeff Johns to move on and no longer be involved with Green Lantern in any way? You know, the only reason I would say yes is because I think he might have too many things on his plate, but I do believe he still has a lot of good stories to tell. You know? Yeah. You know, like, uh, like the intro, like, and I, you know, I think I, I posted this on Facebook, or I, I talked to somebody about it, because I finally got to read, you know, some of the uh, 13 and 14 of Green Lantern. And, like, I like Baz now. I, I think I think you know thirteen and fourteen were very well written. They were you know entertaining. It, you know it was just like reading you know the older issues of you know the Johns run. <laughs> the only thing is that that first issue that launched him, that introduced him, was so god awful, and it was such an awful way to introduce a character. And I look at it and I know why they did that. I know exactly why they did that. They did that because they needed to do that so that he has a reason to join this JLA, you know, the new book that John's is going to be writing. You know, it's it's probably going to be like some kind of like you know high profile Suicide Squad, so they have to have something over each character to make them want to join. So, you know, from that perspective, that you have this character who was given this crappy origin just for the sake of, you know, being used in JLA. And now, you know, however many issues we get of Baz, you know, you know that Hal is going to return. So it kind of makes it seem like what we're reading in Green Lantern, although well-written, is kind of like just a commercial for JLA. Hmm. Now, I generally agree with most of the stuff you just said. Yeah. Now, to the left of me right now, I have a stack of three months' worth of Green Lantern books. Right. And out of those, the only ones I've read so far are the John's Green Lantern issues. Right. And that's basically just because I was interested to see Simon Baz and, like, where that character was going to go and who he was going to be. Everything else, dealing with, like, the larger story of the universe and of like this corner of the DC universe, that's where I think he's kind of fallen off the cart. Cause it's, cause I mean, like I agree, like I love seeing a John's written Sinestro. I love seeing the interaction between Sinestro and Hal Jordan as John's portrays it. And I love seeing John's flesh out these new characters, but I think, and we were, Chad and I were touching on this before, at least for me, my pro- I think one of my biggest problem is like in terms of the larger story. When it comes to that, he's just sort of going in circles, you know. I don't. I, I honestly don't necessarily think that he has as much involvement as we would like to believe. In being that, like he's like we know that that Baz is his baby. And, and we know why, we know the reasons for that. And we know that he set up this Third Army storyline. You know, he's been setting it up for, I don't know, months, years, whatever. 
like he typically does. So I think he probably started with the idea and then went to each you know each person and said, okay, this is the basic idea, now run with it. <clears throat> and they all came up with their own ideas, and he's like, that's great, you know, go with it. That's great, go with it. So it's almost like he gave them, you know, he gave them, the, you know, certain specific story beats that they had to hit on. But the rest of the Cosmic Green Lantern, I think, is being run by the rest of the Cosmic Green Lantern writers. I don't necessarily, like, aside from, like, things happening, like, on Oa that need to tie into the Third Army, you know, and the Guardians, I don't, I don't necessarily think that Johns is steering the ship as much as he used to. Oh, yeah, and I mean, Red Lanterns isn't a bad book because of anything Jeff Johns said or did. Right. You know, it's, but at the same time, it's like, you are the the guy behind the flagship book in a very small family of titles that are all interconnected to one extent or another. So, you know, he's basically sets the pace and the tone for that little corner of the universe, you know. Even if it, if like, like, yeah, they all have the freedom to kind of write around what he wants to do. Yeah. But at the same time, if he's, he's still, like, it's basically they're they're the family driving cross country for the holidays, and he's driving the minivan. You know, like they can make their own fun, but ultimately they're going where he's taking them. Yeah, yeah. No, I know what you're saying. Um, I'm okay. very proud of that minivan thing. <laughs> I just pulled that out. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. No. Um, I have a feeling that. Well, listen. Johns is, like I said, he's stretched very thin right now. You've got, he's writing Justice League, he's going to be writing Justice League America. Uh, he's Is he still writing Aquaman? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, re- he's writing Green Lantern, and then he's the creative director for <laughs> all of DC Comics. So, I mean, like, I feel like he's had to delegate a lot more than probably he wants to. And... You know, like, when he made the shift, it's like, you know, that's, a, you know, like, not too long after that, things started, you know, getting a little bumpy. And now, as time progressed, things are getting a lot more bumpy. So, I think he might be relying more on editors to keep things in check. And, and I mean, we know by reading Red Lanterns that the editors are not doing, you know, a great job. Hmm. You know, I think when we say things like Johns is stretched too thin, it it kind of implies that somebody else is stretching him too thin. I think that blame is on his shoulders completely. I mean, I, I mean, it's you you can't. I mean, if you can't look at DC in the past few years and all the input that Jeff Johns has had and his role and everything, and not think that the guy has the absolute ability to say, look. Um, <laughs> It's obvious the quality on these books is slipping, and I need to step off one or two of them. And he he could absolutely say, you know what, I, I can't do it anymore. I'm off. I need to focus more here, here, and here. And then bring in new writers and new talent, or you know, reassign some people or whatever, and just be off that book. Yeah, but by the same token, like I think it's kind of a fifty-fifty thing because while Johns could assert himself and say that, I think. DC is also putting a lot of pressure on him 
for these different, <laughs> you know, books that they really want to, you know, keep going the way that they're going because they don't have the same kind of names that Marvel has. Yeah, that you could make the argument that if if DC didn't have the same writers writing so many books, they might have more names by now. Um, I don't think that's the case. I, I mean, like, okay, DC does have some very awesome names, but they're, like, they're, like, best names, they're keeping basically locked up doing other things, like JMS. JMS has written, like, an amazing Superman, you know, or Earth One book, then... Uh, I, I haven't read the second one to know how, how great it is, but I imagine it's it's also very good. Mm-hmm. And he's also been tasked to write the, the Four Watchmen series, which, have you guys read that at all? No. Right, me neither. So, <laughs> you know, it's like this grand concept, but, you know, whether or not it's, you know, it, it worked out or fizzled or whatever, that's, you know, several months that AMS just, hasn't been able to write an actual DC comic. Like he actually he hasn't written a, a, a regular mainstream DC comic since uh, <laughs> since he was on Superman, you know, and for, Wonder, for Grounded and Wonder Woman at the same time. And frankly, I think he dug his own grave with that. I mean, they put those two books kind of proved that yeah, maybe we shouldn't put him on a monthly book. <laughs> And then they put them on the Superman OGNs, and they come out spectacular. So, well, yeah, let's keep them there. <laughs> well, no, because the Wonder Woman thing, that, well, I wasn't digging that, but that's only because you didn't have JMS to write the end reveal to make it all worthwhile. Superman Grounded, written by JMS, was like, it was fantastic. Like, he wrote the first couple of issues of that, you know, that, uh, that storyline, and it was brilliant. You would never think that Superman walking across America would be that entertaining, but it was, and it was it was brilliantly written. And you know he was you know he was also writing the Superman you know, graphic novel, and DC said to him, they literally said to him, it's like wow, you know, as soon as that Superman one came out, they said this is selling so well, we're taking you off those books and putting you full-time to make another graphic novel happen mm-hmm. ASAP. Because since the sales were so good, they you know they wanted to do it again. So they ripped him off that and said, okay, you're just working on this now. That wasn't JMS. He wasn't saying, it's like, you know what, no, I, I, can't, I can't keep up the pace. DC is the one that said, you're not going to be able to do those. You're going to do this. And that's when he had to pass the reins of Superman on to somebody else with his notes and the whole thing crashed, and Wonder Woman went completely up in flames. That I, I, I didn't even know if that story ended. I, I, I have no idea. But uh, yeah, no, like JMS, and granted, not everything that JMS has ever written is fantastic. But like recently, he's been doing some some really great stuff. But you've got this this writer that hasn't been able to write a DC mainstream book since. You know, since before the New 52, since well before the New 52. I think it was like a year before the New 52. Um, you know, so, so like, you know, you got your big names, JMS and actually with Brian Azzarello, um, who I forget, uh, 
they actually got Darwin Cook to go on the before Watchmen. Like they spent so much money getting all this top talent for before Watchmen that you know the names that you've been passing around for the rest of the DC universe. It's like okay, JT Krull, <laughs> you're on deck for seven books. You know it's yeah. well well. Since you brought him up, Azarello is the one who's been writing Wonder Woman since the relaunch, and mm-hmm. that's yes. that has been one of their best titles out there. Right, because he's one of their best writers, and for some reason he was able to do something more than just Beyond Watchmen. Yeah, you know the difference though between JMS and Johns is Johns is DC. Well, yeah, he's woven <laughs> himself into the very fabric of the comic universe. That's absolutely for sure. So if you take him out, I, you, I don't know, you might almost have to like reboot the universe again, taking out oh, Johns without his vision. No, 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 no. 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 That's, that's completely... No, that's no. not. But right now, you're working with Johns' vision. Like, his vision, yeah. he, has, he has things planned out for blah, 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 however long. So, if somebody else comes in, then either they're going to take his notes or they're going to go in a completely different direction. And if they take his notes, it's not going to be as good because, you know, it's not John's writing what John's came up with. It's going to be like the other Lantern titles trying to, you know, make their books fit into the Third Army storyline. Or if the writer goes in their own direction, then we're going to be pissed because, well, what about all these things that Johns was setting up that now we just, you know, never get to see? Kind of like with Origins and Omens, where they set up, you know, a bunch of really cool things that just never happened. Yeah, I mean, you you bring up the other books. I mean, look at at the average issue of Green Lantern Corps right now, or at all since that series started up eight years ago. Green Lantern Corps is another writer playing in the Green Lantern universe that Jeff Johns established without being Jeff Johns or beholden to Jeff Johns. Like you it's you can do it and still put your own stamp on it. You don't have to be trying to be Jeff Johns. I mean, for the longest time Green Lantern was Ron Mars as much as it's Jeff Johns. Like it's it, and then Johns came along and just started doing something different. Like, maybe they'll refresh the numbering. Who knows? But it doesn't... They don't need to reboot anything just to change the writer. Well, I think, uh... I think... Um, Core. I think Green Lantern Core is, is... It definitely benefits from, you know, a good writer as well. Everything does. Nothing. It doesn't matter. Everything does. Well, yeah. Well, everything. No, everything would benefit from a good writer. But I'm saying that you know, Green Lantern Corps has a good writer right now. I don't. I don't think all of the stories have been, you know. Dun, 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 dun. What? Nothing. Oh, what is that playing in the background? No, that's the Law and Order. I know. I know. So um, I thought you were thinking about the John Stewart story. Oh no, no. I mean like. <laughs> No, because uh, that's... That was really obscure. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> yeah, okay. That's uh, Tomasi? I can't yep. I can't even remember now. Okay, it's Tomasi writing that. Yeah, no. Tomasi, he does, he does a good job. <clears throat> and not all of his story choices 
are things that I find particularly entertaining. But I do think that, you know, he is a good writer, and I think that overall that book is entertaining. Uh, he's, and yeah, he's, so... doing, he, he's doing his own thing, but he's been doing his own thing for a very long time. He's just, he's, like you said, he, he's taking story notes from John's, you know, but he's gotten into the groove. Um, and he was very good at it when he took over so that it wasn't that bumpy of a ride. Chad, what were you going to say? You know, just so we can, you know, lead on to the next topic, because I think we've already kind of half merged into it already. <laughs> yeah. Um, just my final thought on it is Johns has got to do one of two things. He's either got to leave the book or he's got to take a good hard look at what's on his plate, make a solid argument to DC or whomever and say, look, I can't do this anymore. You need to do this, that or the other. I mean, I mean, that's just I'm not saying that Green Lantern is the book he needs to leave or, or anything like that, because it's pretty obvious that John's got a has a special love for Green Lantern and has God knows how many years probably mapped out in his own head. Um, but I think with, I, th- I think the pattern of Jeff Johns has been like really, really clear to us over the past few years. You know, it's a big story. Uh, lots of little setup here and there. Like uh, Jim, you weren't here for it, but I was mentioning, well, whatever happened to like that indigo ring that was William hands searching for, for someone in two, eight, one, four, whatever happened with that, you know, and and that's that's not I'm not referring specifically dang it because there's a lot of that in every major storyline that Jeff Johns has told over the past few years that we've wondered what the fuck happened to that. And then you get a couple of issues of epilogue or as it's apparent apparent now, it's always aftermath. Like War of the Green Lantern's aftermath. Black Blackest Night Aftermath, you know. And then oh, this is happening, cool story here, cool story there, and then about two or three issues into this, you know, kind of, oh, we're getting back to the status quo as it, as it is. Well, you know, no big event happening. The seeds are planted for the next thing. And that storyline is, that story kind of telling is cool, but it burns out too quickly. It's, it's, it's almost the same as event fatigue for people who just read comics in general but for us it's it's event fatigue for specific green lantern fans and once we get into it i'll tell you where i think the book should be going um but i think the way john's is handling it now is is not necessarily putting the book in jeopardy right now but if it continues it will be um Something is going to have to happen if it continues, is what I'm saying. And I, I can't, I can't, I can't verbalize it too well because I honestly believe that I, I do want to see what Johns is going to do next, and I do want to see, you know, his plans and in, in his interactions with the various core and what's going to happen there and all of this stuff. And I want to see the Guardians fall, and I want to see what happens to the Green Lantern core after that point, and I want to see who the fuck the first lantern is you know there's still moments in green lantern where i'm like oh shit what's gonna happen now hence the core conjecture blog but Mm. at the same time i whenever i get my books digitally and i go i set about to read them it used to be that once i downloaded it i would read the book and now 
just I can tell you right now my own personal experience the past couple of weeks I'll download Green Lantern or New Guardians or something like that and I'll either forget to read it or I'll only download it when I remember oh shit that came out oh, I guess I should probably read that and it's not because oh I want to see what happens next it's because oh I got to read it for the show you know I mean yeah we're behind on reviews but you know it's just like I forget the damn book came out and that wouldn't have happened during Blackest Night or, you know, and that's an extreme example, but even a little bit after Blackest Night, just some of the storytelling that was happening there, that wouldn't have happened. But right now I'm not that excited anymore. And it's making me think I'm burned out on Green Lantern, but I don't really think I am. I just think I'm burned out on what's happening right now. Yeah. That's, that's, that's actually kind of awesome because, like, I've kind of been questioning it myself. Like, am I getting burned out on Green Lantern? <laughs> now, I mean, you know, granted, I actually might be getting green, burned out on Green Lantern. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because I'm, like, up, you know, I'm up every night, and, you know, when I come home from work, I have something that I'm much more interested in now. But by the same token, you know, like, the core of the character, I still love. So makes me think, well, yeah, maybe maybe I'm not burned out on the character. Maybe, you know, the stories that they're telling right now are just <clears throat> I don't know, lack focus. Like like you said, you know, with with the comics, like I, you know, I don't get a chance to go to the comic book store too often. I finally got to the store and, you know, was it like not even this month, maybe like the, the first week of this month. And picked up like two months worth of Green Lantern books, and the first things I read were Green Lantern and then Green Lantern Corps because those are, you know, those are the ones with the clearest vision. Um, and I think the the whole the role of Jeff Johns, it used to be that he had you know we we know he has a clear vision for Green Lantern, and I I still think he has that very clear vision. I still think that he would be able to steer the ship very well if he didn't have like a million other responsibilities because he's not you know, like there's no way that somebody with that many responsibilities because he's also writing another Batman uh, graphic novel. That was another no. thing that he's writing. There's literally no way on the planet that one man who was doing as much as he was is now doing all of that and more and still have the same amount of time to steer Green Lantern the way that he was. Now, the only thing is, you know, you say he should step aside and let somebody else, you know, take over and let their vision, you know, run through. I don't think DC has anyone with that same kind of passion for Green Lantern to steer the ship anywhere near as well. And then you come, okay, well, do you just let the books do their own thing for a while? Which wouldn't be that bad of an idea because then, you know, okay, well, we're not going to get giant crossovers. We're going to get writers telling stories that they actually want to tell about the characters that don't have to fit into, you know, some sort of overall arc. Maybe that's not a bad idea. If they had, you know, an editor who didn't have his head up his ass, to keep things 
in line and actually was reading the books and says, oh, that's not what a power battery looks like. This is what a power battery looks like. Or, oh, no, you know, we've already established that that didn't happen in the new 52. So now, you know, it can't happen again in the 52. You know, it's like, it's just, if they had somebody who was keeping keeping tabs on things better, then, you know, Johns could basically take a vacation and things would still run smoothly. But I don't think that there's anybody that's going to be able to step up to the plate. I don't think my, and yeah, this is my, my final word on the thing. I don't think DC comics has the talent to replace Jeff Johns in his position at Green Lantern. Ooh. I guess my final less verbose take on the whole thing is that I think, I think like, I, I agree with you guys. The Lantern books, just in general, as a whole, aren't exciting anymore. And like, the, just like the larger story that they're telling, just it's not like it's no longer. We're no longer in the age of Sinestro Core War or Blackest Night, where I'm sitting here going, "Oh, what's going to happen? I want to figure out what's going on." It's more, all right, let's see if this month it proves itself to me. Yeah, you know, and that. That is a big problem, whether we're talking about one book or four books. It doesn't matter whether they're telling four different stories or or one big story. You know, you want to be engaged by what you're reading, and I'm currently not, except for the, the I'll say, street-level character stuff that he's doing in the one book he writes. I think at this, I think at this point, the most exciting thing they could do with Green Lantern is handed over to someone else just because all of a sudden anything could happen you know it could it could soar to heights we've never seen before it could be more of the same or it could drop like a red lantern stone but at least at the beginning there there would be there would be that that feeling of like that excitement of like what's going to happen like we've had eight years (coughs) of (coughs) of knowing almost exactly what we were in for and now we don't anymore so it could be anything and i think that's something that a jeff john story used to have all the time like when i think like when you say jeff john's green lantern to me i always instinctively flash back to you know those pre-sinestro core war stories you know i think one of the biggest images that always comes to my head is that evan hayes hal jordan spread of him being chased through Soviet airspace by rocket reds and those jets just because like that those were like that was like the golden age of Jeff Johns as yeah. a writer yeah. <clears throat> and that's something like we've we've moved so far away from like there's some issues where like you wouldn't even know it was the same guy and like I understand he's a huge fan of most of the characters he writes which probably is also a reason why he sticks with them for so long but it's i don't know i think i think we just need something new and that can be a scary thing to comic people but i think we we need something new so jim yeah how might we get that (laughs) okay so so my topic is if you were going to restart Green Lantern, how would you do it? 
You know, would you start completely fresh and just go in a completely different direction? You know, new character, new, you know, new everything? Or would you just, you know, pick up with what was going on and just go in a new direction? Like, would you go for a Silver Age Hal Jordan start? Or would you go for a modern age Jeff Johns reboot? Can I can I, can I lead off? Of course. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, this all just premising the prefacing the universe in which I am operating here. There is no New Guardians book. There is no Red Lanterns book. There is no Baz, and there are no Guardians of the Universe. Oh. Green Lantern is still a book. Green Lantern Corps is still a book. Forgetting all of the stuff that's recently happened to Guy Gardner, Jon Stewart and Guy Gardner really don't have any ties to Earth. As far as wife, kids, uh, family, you know, really anybody to come back to. So keep them in Green Lantern Corps and have them do space shit. And that space <laughs> That space shit, and whether they're honor guard members still or whatever, the the guardians are gone. But the concept of the core is thus that they believe in it and it still exists, and that's why you know the guardians are gone because the Green Lanterns fought back, and that's not the original purpose of the core. We're not going to do that. Blah blah blah. You know, let's say all of this takes place after Wrath of the First Lantern. The guardians are gone. Everything's been reset, and now they have to run themselves. Let's just say that. And it's John Stewart and Guy Gardner is the main focus of the book, but there's the other core in there, so you get all that fun. And for shits and giggles, occasionally there's a guest star because they actually believe in the merits of emotion, so they work with some of the other core members from the other cores from time to time. Regardless of... Will that happen all the time for extended amounts and it's all one big core? That'd be kind of cool, but I'm sure it'd get old and there's too many, I don't know, Eggs in the frying pan or something. Um, Eggs. <laughs> I haven't had breakfast yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me neither. Um, and or it could be, you know, if you want to go the whole backup story route and just have backups tales about random core members in, in any of the book, whatever. Green Lantern, the sector partner concept still exists. It's Hal Jordan and Kyle Rayner, and Hal Jordan is not the one who's on the Justice League. It's Kyle. Um, and I don't know with that it's sector partners they're working in 2814 there's the occasional space story maybe if you know one of the other core members from the other cores pops up that's cool Um, but not always because then you would have if they're just sector partners working together in 2814 you have the two I think the two most popular Green Lanterns in one book it's just two characters and you can have the opportunity to focus on the characters. You can explore, God knows why I want to see this, but you could explore the relationship between Hal and Carol once again. Um, <laughs> Finally. You, you, you could explore how he interacts with his brother and his nieces and nephews. He, you could explore how Kyle, I don't know, dates whomever is in the next in line, whether that means Alex is back or some other new girls in the universe or somehow Jade shows up, who knows? Um, and you know, he's just a kid in the justice league. I don't know. Like, it's just, 
I think these grand overarching storylines and these giant amounts of characters are mostly responsible for losing characterization and the history of a character themselves. You know, that's... I mean, we saw Carol in during the Indigo storyline, and we didn't really see her again until she popped up in New Guardians. And none of that crap was mentioned, but whatever. It's just like there's these large, you know, there there was this there was this storyline being built, this kind of moment between Hal and Carol where they were getting things back together, and we didn't see that for months. And now we're Carol's back, and we're still kind of not seeing that. And it's just there's all these dangling plot threads and potential ways to take the character that I think would be solved if you got rid of all the mess let them do their own thing as core members and no guardian direction and crazy bullshit about to happen you know and prophecies here and there and everywhere and just take it back to the characters being Green Lanterns doing what Green Lanterns do two people on Earth in, or Sector 2814 and two people over doing the big space stuff. That's it. That's all you need. Dan. Yes. Would you like to go next? Oh, all right. I know we were going to talk about Chad's first. Oh, we, okay. yeah, yeah. That's that's probably a better <laughs> idea. Um, yeah. So I mean, basically, you would take the key elements from what's been going on, get rid of what you consider, well, what you and definitely me also consider like the crap, <laughs> and, and I'm not talking about. You know the other book. I'm talking about the the story elements that we all think are crap, and just focus on you know continuing along with what's been going on in continuity. Just focus more on the Green Lanterns that we actually want to focus on. Yeah. Okay. I'd read that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we kind didn't we kind of. Oh no, nah, that's not a fair comparison. But like, like we just. We kind of distilled it down like that with Kyle Rayner, with like to a more extreme degree in the '90s. But like that's it's kind of sounds like a happy medium between the Kyle '90s era and the current era. Yeah, I mean, plus the advantage of having two characters in one book is you don't always have to you don't you don't get the going as stagnant as quickly when you have two characters. If it's just one, that's you you run the risk of drawing a certain storyline out too long or doing the wrong thing here or there. But with two characters, you can either focus on one for an entire issue or focus on both and just kind of split it down the middle or whatever. And there you build some suspense like, Oh, what's going to happen next? Or, you know, is Hal going to come team up with Kyle or, you know, whatever, that kind of crap. Plus I I don't think we've, since Hal's been back, I've really, I'd really hesitate to say whether or not outside of Blackest Night or War of the Green Lanterns or any giant storylines since Rebirth, have Hal and Kyle really had like solo missions together? No. Not outside of the big crossovers. No. I mean, it seems kind of weird, doesn't it? that That since Rebirth, that still hasn't happened? Yeah, and it's funny, like the, that first story arc of Green Lantern that Jeff Johns ever wrote after Rebirth with the Manhunter and all that, it implied this, like, buddy cop team of Hal Jordan and Jon Stewart that I thought, like, oh, that's going to be cool. 
<clears throat> and then they never played with the sector partner thing at all. But now, like, we're getting that kind of thing a little bit with Hal and Sinestro and over in Green Lantern Corps with uh, Guy and John. But, yeah, it's it's great when they actually do it. Yeah, yeah but by just... the same token, the, the concept of the sector partners, like, it's cool for the buddy cop aspect, <clears throat> but by the same token, like, a sector is enormous. So for two cops, two, <laughs> two Green Lanterns, to just be constantly on Earth is like, if anybody ever stops to think about it for more than a second, it's like ridiculous. No, I never said. I never said that that it's just on Earth. I said two eight one four. Now, yeah, that's, that's why I put Kyle in the Justice <clears throat> League and not Hal. Hal can, being the more experienced GL, can do the crazy space stuff and call on Kyle when he needs him. And yeah, with Kyle's role in the JLA. You know, he works with them, and then he helps Hal out. But they're both the only two characters out of out of the four Earth GLs. They're the two most likely to have ties and on Earth and not be and you know if they were gone too long would be homesick and that kind of stuff. I think <laughs> the only reason, if you're just gonna take John's characterization and live off of that or whatever, I think the only reason Hal isn't really homesick or anything lately is because he's got basically a steady stream of adrenaline going since he got into space <laughs> he's got shit to handle every five seconds and then once he comes down off his adrenaline high maybe he'll stop to think oh crap i haven't been to earth in a year i wonder how carol and pie are doing <laughs> wonder, wonder if i'm still bla- dating that blonde from a while but <laughs> i wonder if she's still alive even but no, I do like the, the stronger focus on the characterization and the, the interaction between them, which really, when you have serialized fiction that goes on forever, you really should focus on the characters more than the plot, probably. But it's really easy for them to like kind of drift all the way to the other side. Well, you know, I mean, if you, if you all you have to look at <laughs> is look at like the sales numbers from Green Lantern. You know, when Johns took over Green Lantern, the book was doing well. It was doing very well. And DC was probably pretty happy about that. And then all of a sudden, you know, Sinestro Core War comes along, and it's this event, non-event, but kind of an event, and, you know, crosses over, and it's got a special, and the numbers exploded, especially on the trades. And DC says, whoa, we need to repeat this, you know? So And, you know, they have have some more issues to set up the next event and then the next event comes and it's like, you know, holy, you know, holy crap, we need to keep doing this. So it's like because the events, you know, people buy events. And when when events come, they buy all the issues of the, you know, the comic. What you call it? Uh New Guardians number 13. That was um the tie-in to War of Third Army, yeah, Third Third Army. When that, when that one came out, and I went to the comic book store to pick up all my comics, that one was sold out because that's the one that they order the least amount of. Mm-mm. But since it was a tie-in to the Third Army, you know, people were actually buying it in numbers again. So, you know, a comic that they always have on the shelf, they had none of because of this. So, I mean, you know, it's a clear indicator for DC Comics. 
well, we're going to keep on doing events. Oh, my God. I didn't mean to stop us all right there. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, that's the point of the text. <laughs> yeah. You keep um. talking. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, we're I would have just said, hey, guys. <laughs> we're we're captivated. Should've. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't even know what I was saying now. So, something about Puerto Rican holidays. No, that wasn't it. Oh, yeah. Now, DC says... You know, okay, well, look at the sales. The sales are obviously spiking when we do events. We need to do more events, which means, like, the thing that we really loved about the comic, we are not going to get because they need to spend all this time setting up the next event. So, I mean, you know, while as much as I would love for Chad's universe to come into play, I mean, I would love that. I, I would be excited to read Green Lantern again. It's like, financially... DC would be retarded to do that. Mm. Anyway. Yeah. <clears throat> I think Chad's pretty mum on my comment. Yeah. <laughs> but you put him in his place. <laughs> uh, what would I do? Yes. Have you read Spider-Girl? Um, no. But well, I know the, of it. The premise... <clears throat> Is he said, you know, let's let's jump like ten years into the future, as far as the character's perspective goes. So like Peter Parker is ten years older, that kind of thing. And like the whole Marvel, uh, <clears throat> at least for Spider Girl, like the whole Marvel universe has aged ten years, or whatever, however many years it is. Peter has a teenage daughter. He is retired after his big final climactic battle with the Green Goblin. He's injured from that, and you learn that history over time. And <clears throat> his daughter, who developed the same powers as him, takes up the man- the Spider Mantle, and it's just <clears throat> her having. And it's just like it's about like that next generation that's still gets to interact with the last generation, but isn't pigeonholed by it and there's still that that ability to of discovery as you go of what did happen in the time between you know peter parker swinging around spider-man and him being a retired superhero father in spider-girl number one and while not i'm not saying go to that extreme because i would still like this to be firmly within the dc universe but i would like to see something to that effect done with Green Lantern, where, like, let's say... Because character ages are always in flux anyway. Let's say they did just say, all right, you know what? Green Lantern characters are... From now on, we're... Instead of being nebulous, we're just going to say it's it's ten years older. That We can do that because we constantly have these characters going to war in the middle of space... We can play with time like that. So, it's ten years later as far as the Green Lantern Corps is concerned. You introduce a new character, Human from Earth, because, yeah. And it's kind of his, like, I'm just going to say Kyle Rayner-esque journey through just starting to become... Because he's an average person who gets to become a Green Lantern and he's like coming in through the core and doing his training and 
befriending aliens here and there and like building his gradually building his own supporting cast and along the way <clears throat> we're learning like 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 where is John Stewart now like is ha- what's Hal Jordan up to are all of these people still active somewhere in space why aren't they the main Green Lantern anymore is one of them with the Justice League like this and that and like he's you can like you can have like 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 all like the old like you can really play up like Kilowog as a mentor character and like in this character's ongoing training and like just like really like freshen up things with a new character. And I, I should I should have said at the beginning, like I'm not I don't want to reboot anything. I want to keep everything that's in play except flash forward by a, a significant enough chunk of time that kind of relearning where everything is can be interesting for new and old readers. So this is a little disjointed. You you get you get what I'm going for? So basically, <laughs> would you stop the existing Green Lantern books and start a new one? I would <clears throat> I would distill down to either one or two. I think so you would have things running in regular time and 10 years later time no no it would all be one okay all right i would just i would distill it down back down to one book and because there's going to be interest in finding out like what's hal jordan doing like maybe like start giving like backups here and there showing like like just catching you up with certain characters and then if you've got if like if it's revealed that like like Guy and John are off doing, or like Guy and Baz or whoever are still active as Green Lanterns. They're just on the other side of the universe, running like weird missions, and like there's interest in that. Then you can then you can bring up like a second Green Lantern title that follows them, that kind of thing. But like the focus would be on the new, like this whoever this new person from Earth is. And their journey and their exploration of the entire Green Lantern mythos that is still actively in play. Like, 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 and all like all the cores are still around and all that stuff. But like, I would want to see like, I don't know. I'm trying not to be like have your cake and eat it too with this because like, I kind of want to have that freshness that we we had with Kyle Rayner and we almost have with Simon Baz, but I don't want it to be bogged down by all of the other stuff we have, but I don't want the other stuff to go away. You know? (laughs) Yeah, I, I I get what you're saying. Um, and for something like that, I think you kind of need to have only you know, like a, like a limited amount of books. Um, you know, like if you had three Green Lantern books and they all just jumped ten years into the, into the future, like the amount of editing required to keep everything straight, you know, as far as what actually happened in the time, in the ten years. I mean, like, you know, if you look now, there's already, like, discrepancies as what happened in the five years you know, since there were superheroes. You know, so, like, we've already seen that these writers, you know, can't can't juggle that amongst the books. So, 
you know, like that's that's the thing that would have me hesitant because if you're going to do it with Green Lantern, you have to do it with all the all the characters. Oh yeah. And I think. Well, do you mean all the DC characters yes. or all of the? Yeah, okay. all DC characters. I I don't know about that because I mean. You're going to I mean, jump it's... ten years forward in Green Lantern, but Wonder Woman's still going to be running at the re- the, the old time stream. Well, no, because because. I mean, if I ask you right now, how old, how old is Hal Jordan? Dove. I I don't know. I don't think DC knows either. They like to keep that nebulous. Well, he's you know he's running years old. So if all of a sudden you say that that Hal Jordan is ten years older, well, ten years older than what? They wouldn't actually have to write him very differently. They it would just open the door for there to be like this new generation kid running around. You know, it's like how Jordan interacting with the Justice League could still be written the same way. Yeah, but are you so you're saying that for Green Lantern, it's ten years later, but it's still the regular time stream for everything else in the DC universe. It or is like are you, <clears throat> from your perspective for this yeah. to work. Is the entire DC universe jumping ten years ahead, nebulously, and then starting new stories from there? You know, like with certain characters like <coughs> Superman, Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman, you can keep them because Superman and Wonder Woman obviously they age differently, and Batman, whatever. I mean, here's what I'm saying: take let's take the Sinestro Core War as an example. Okay. <clears throat> now that's a war that took place primarily primarily in space. It ended on Earth. It was primarily in space, right? Right. They, if they wanted to, they could have said, they could have told that exact same story, the exact same way, but say that it happened over the course of three years, when in reality it happened over the course of like. A week or something right and by saying that all of a sudden the characters that fought in it have this like this have three more years of history tacked on to them even though like you don't have like it's comics so you can have ca- old characters still running around looking young you know magneto is a holocaust survivor for god's sake <laughs> and at the, but it, it, it's it's one of those like it's I don't think it's that big of an issue just because like half the characters have powers that explain away not aging half the characters that no, like the, comic ages comic ages are so arbitrary anyway so not, it almost I'm doesn't not even matter. I'm not talking about the ages. I'm not talking about the ages. Like <laughs> you said, in the ages are nebulous anyway. <laughs> but is the ten years later thing? Is it happening line wide? It doesn't have to. Like, I'm not talking about anything that would set a tone for DC, the DC Universe. I'm just I'm just saying, alright, they, as it is, they do not whatsoever put any sort of time constraints on these characters. So, if we put one <coughs> on a handful of characters, it really shouldn't matter. Okay. The issue that I could see arising from that is if you jump 10 years ahead in Green Lantern, <clears throat> you know, you just say, okay, you're just jumping ahead. 
like the whole concept of finding out what happened to John Stewart and what happened to Hal Jordan and finding out about those little pieces of information that happened, you know, over the course of time, like it, it would be nearly impossible to enforce this kind of like, you know, this kind of temporal restriction from Green Lantern into any of the other books like JLA, um, you know, because they're going to want to keep with the, you know, oh, everything started five years ago, you know, that kind of thing. And DC really likes that. They really like the fact that they can have all of their, you know, big time superheroes be young and hip and fresh. Now, if you were starting everything over again and said, okay, <laughs> this is all 10 years down the road or 15 years, you know, whatever the case may be, and now here's, you know, the next generation of Green Lantern and, you know, the next Green Lantern, uh, the next uh, wave of Teen Titans, you know, or now Dick is is Batman and, you know, Batman is, like, Oracle or whatever, however you want to do it. If you did it line-wide, you know, then you can, you know... You can do whatever you want then. You don't have to worry about, you know, things not fitting. Because what you're saying, you know, finding out, like, you couldn't have, there's no way that you could have um, Spider-Girl existing in the regular Marvel Universe because Mm -hmm. you wouldn't have that same fun of finding out, okay, well, what happened to Peter Parker? What happened to all this other stuff? Because everybody else would be like, well, we were just hanging out with Peter Parker yesterday. You know, like, you have this compressed, you know, 10-year gap that nobody else experienced. Yeah, but at the same time, look, everything of substance that Jon Stewart and Guy Gardner have done since getting their rings back has been in outer space, surrounded by other Green Lantern characters. So like if so let's say let's say they they just arbitrarily wanted to a say you know what John Stewart and Guy Gardner in the new 52 in this story arc have have you know they elapsed 10 years of time let's just say they felt like doing it and an editorial said okay they're basically confined to their book and when they do show up, like when when they have their next Blackest Night DC Universe ish crossover, and John Stewart's flying next to Superman, punching something in the face, it's it's most likely not going to come up, you know. I mean, and and like it's sound that sounds kind of like a cop out, but you know, it's it's one of those things where like you know how can how can Batman be everywhere he is in all those books? How can Wolverine do it? You know, it's it's just one of those things. Like you just kind of accept that it's not gonna all fit perfectly, but just yep. you just you do also, what you do. For the, you also the have to accept that everything's happening at the same, you know, same time frame. It, relatively. Uh, relatively, but I very mean very loosely. <laughs> did you ever see uh, the movie um, The Lake House? Nope. Okay. So there's this movie, The Lake House. It's got Sandra Bullock and... I think it's Sandra Bullock and Keanu Reeves. It's definitely Keanu Reeves. That sounds like a winner. <laughs> it, was a, it was a fun movie. Basically, you have these two people who are writing 
you know, a letter, like, the woman goes out to her mailbox, and she finds a letter, and it's from this guy, and she writes back, and they're both writing to each other in the same lake house, just one is, like, time displaced by, you know, six months. So somehow, like, this magical, or it could be a year, whatever, um, this magical mailbox is sending the letters backwards and forwards in time. So they're, they're communicating as, you know, you would normally. Um, but there's this, this gap. So if he went outside, you know, into the backyard and started chopping wood, she could not go back there and also <clears throat> talk to him while he's chopping wood because there's a year separating them. Now, you know, to, to do this to jump all of the Green Lanterns 10 years into the future, that's fine if they stay confined to their own book. Or if they have, you know, a giant crossover where, you know, people show up or whatever like that, where you're just basically using them for effect. But everybody's going to be wondering, well, what, you know, is it, is it going to come up? Is it going to come up? And when it doesn't, they're all going to be disappointed. And it also kind of defeats the concept of a shared universe because, you know, they can't, really cross over i don't know it's just you're what you're saying is you want to arbitrarily move green lantern 10 years into the future while keeping everybody else so that when they say for green lantern yeah the universe started 15 years ago and for superman it started five years ago it oh god you're like this is not that big a deal (laughs) i mean this it is a big deal no, it's not. You're acting. You're acting like this would take away Green Lantern's ability. I mean, like the Green Lantern character's ability to interact with anybody who's not a Green Lantern character, because of something that's never ever going to have any good reason to be part of a story outside of Green Lantern. Well, who who's on the Justice League? No Green Lanterns. No Green Lanterns on the Justice League. <laughs> no. Oh, do you mean now, or, like... Oh, in, in your universe, I mean. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> Any, anybody, like, I'm I'm looking at this as, like, DC can continue doing exactly what it's doing with everything, except we're distilling down to one Green Lantern book that jumped. Uh, you know, they do that in soap operas, where, like, the, the characters will have a baby, and, <clears throat> you know, like, three weeks later, the baby's 18 years old. Just so yeah. they can write a teenager. They do that in comics, too. Like, yeah. every three months. What are you talking about? It happens all the time. Probably more in Marvel, but it happens Yeah, all more in Marvel, but they're also <laughs> using time travel. They're taking, you know, they're taking a baby, shunting it off to the future to grow up, and then bringing it back. Like, if that's what you're talking about, I can understand, because everything's working at the same, you know, in the tam- same temporal space. You know, like, for, for a universe that made such a big deal out of, you know, saying that the entire universe started five years mm-hmm. ago, for one of them to jump ten years into the future, while all the others are just doing the same exact thing, it doesn't fit. So so what? The whole five-year thing is going to go away eventually. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I wish it would, but totally. I don't know. Your universe irritates me. But I like the concept. Oh, good. That's kind of how I feel about you as a person. <laughs> that works. Oh, uh, okay. 
Yeah, what what crap would you do? <laughs> okay, so if I was going to do it, I would either... Well, I, I would definitely jump into the future. Oh, no! For everything. Like, That's start stupid. completely fresh. You know, like, you know, you had you had the Golden Age, you had the Silver Age, you had the Modern Age. I'm talking about the Future Age. You don't have anything running at the old time space. There's, that's that's gone. You know, you just you start up everything fresh, and you can, like all those old people are still around, so they can interact. But I don't know. Maybe something happened. Like um, I don't know. There was uh, there was an Elseworlds tale where like some kind of wave came through and wiped out all superpowers. Do you remember that? Back in the 90s? No. Okay. Uh, Act of God, that's what it was. Yeah, there was an Elseworlds tale, Act of God, where... Same. Yeah, like this thing, something happens. I don't know if it was from uh, New Genesis or Apocalypse or one of them, but this energy wave washes across the Earth and everybody loses their powers. (laughs) Now, if you had technological-based powers... But you still had them because, you know, technology still worked. Um, and, you know, like if you were Green Arrow, you still had your, you know, your archery skills. But, you know, aside from Batman-level characters, there were no superpowers anymore. Uh, and it completely changed the landscape of the entire DC universe, as one would expect in an Elseworlds. Say something like that happens. And... So now here you are, you know, 10, 15 years later, whatever, and you just create a whole new line of characters like they did for the Silver Age. Um, and by the same token, I don't necessarily think this would ever happen. Like, they'd have to be doing really bad to restart the universe like this. But for Green Lantern, I would start it with, like, you know, like a graduate student kind of kind of thing. Very intelligent. And, uh, like, he's working on, like, an energy fog kind of thing. Because we've talked about the energy fog. It's, like, if you have, like, a a mental interface, you can harness, like, this fog that can, you know, it'll, it'll move however you want. It'll take shape however you want. It can become solid. And it's basically, you know, the closest thing in science to having a Green Lantern ring. Like, I think it would be awesome to have a character do something like that and really just, like, try and start trying to, like, defend crime, you know, completely technological base. And then, like, over time, you can have it so that, you know, like... You know, he'll come up against things, and eventually he'll actually start harnessing willpower so that he's got, like, this this energy fog, but it's also enhanced by what originally made Green Lantern great. You know, maybe, maybe magic comes into effect again and bonds this energy fog to the way the old Green Lantern ring, rings work. Um, I'm not going to do all the work for DC, so they can figure out the logistics of that. But... You have, you know, you have, like, this whole new character who is obviously inspired by the old superheroes, you know, because the stories are all there. Like, you know, you just look at the news clippings and it's all there. 
but you know, like start fresh and do fresh things like that and not have to worry about all the continuity. You know, at that point, you know, jumping that far into the future and you don't have to worry about, you know, oh, well, how did all this person's continuity fit into five years or ten years or whatever? It's just, you know, you by starting fresh, you don't owe anything to anybody. You don't owe any explanations. And and with when starting completely fresh, like if it's called Green Lantern, and you know, even if it's a completely new character, like a, you look at Baz. Baz. He's going to sell. He's going to sell books. Even though he's a completely different Green Lantern, because he's Green Lantern, people are going to keep buying the book. If you came up with a completely different Green Lantern with a completely different concept, but it's still tied to the old Green Lantern somehow, people are going to give it a chance. And I think if you start fresh like that, then you know the, the people that used to be fans... Yeah, they're going to jump on, like what you said with, with your Spider-Girl thing, because they're going to want to see if there's any, like, you know, mm. pieces of information. Like, what happened to Kyle Rayner? You know, when when all the powers went out, did he, like, settle down and, you know, get married, and now he's an art teacher in the suburbs or something like that? Stuff like that, and you would find that stuff out over time, and those people could also help and mentor him you know, with, with the new powers and, you know, like they're the ones that would know what's going on when, you know, it starts merging with willpower and stuff like that. I think something like that, like a completely different take on Green Lantern and just start everything fresh. I think that would be like a nice way to just completely reboot. What do you think of that, Chad? (laughs) We're talking about an Elseworlds type concept where <clears throat> magic possibly plays a role, but it's more technology based, and there's all the old the old guard is essentially gone, right? The old guard is it, it's completely depowered, so they're still around. Like Green Arrow, this has probably still been milling around for the past ten years, but oh, you mean old guard gone completely, as in the entire superhero craziness. Yes, everything's been done for 10 years. Like, there's been no powers on Earth for 10 years, and now people are starting to try and, you know, experiment with technology to try and, you know, get back to an age of superheroes. Um, You know, and after 10 years, maybe magic starts popping up also, so you can have, like, techno magic or magic, you know, technology slightly enhanced and things like that, and eventually... Work in the concept of willpower, you know, over time somehow. Steampunk techno magic. Hmm. That's cool. (laughs) 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 I don't know. (laughs) I don't. I mean, I would. I would. I would obviously read it. It's Green Lantern, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah. It's. It's. It sounds like a cool Elseworlds concept, and I know. Are you are you talking about this would be the new direction going forward and the entire it's just an idea that you've had you think you've kind of let fester and grow and fester like a, a wound <laughs> like an open wound <laughs> it was like a bleeding sore <laughs> in your mind for a while you just think it'd be cool if 
they reset and did this with every title. Like, you know, Green Lantern did follow the direction you're saying, but Superman followed a different direction, but more on the techno side and all that. Um, yeah, well... Because you couldn't really have just Green Lantern go in this direction and have the rest of the universe right. stay par for the course. Absolutely. No, you would have to restart everything, and everything would have to be restarted with this more technological-based, you know, basis. Um, you know, or you have technology and magic starts working its way. So, you know, like maybe Superman is retired, but he has a son who gets into magic somehow. And, you know, since magic isn't strong yet, it's just coming back. He, you know, figures out ways to um, almost duplicate his father's powers, but they're nowhere near as strong. So it's almost like reading Superman when Superman first started. You know, he can leap over a giant building. Um, he can't fly. You know, he's, he's strong, but he can't, like, you know, move planets or anything like that. Can he throw a piano into the air? He can kind of pick up a car. Oh, okay. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> kind of. But, you know, like like things like that, you know, and if you start it like that, where, you know, if you're magical-based, like for the first year or so, everything's going to be very weak. So you have, you know, you have tons of characterization. You're getting to know these characters, and it's not about their powers, but their powers are also there, and they're learning to use them. It would be completely fresh. <laughs> and, you know, like, this is something that, like, an independent label could do, but it would never sell as well because DC has the names that we all recognize. And they also have the history because, you know, you'd want to know what happened to Wonder Woman for the past 15 years. Is Wonder Woman still around? You know, what happens when Wonder Woman all of a sudden loses her magic and powers? You know? 15 she... years. That, that'd be cool. It, it, it almost, it almost kind of like be, what would the universe, the DCU be like if all the reboots never happened? Like, if everybody was just allowed to <laughs> age and progress as normal? Yeah. That'd be kind of cool. And, you know, like, after, you know, after the, the universe has been started up and, you know, you've been going for a while, then, you know, maybe older characters pop up here and there. Um, hmm. You know, maybe, you know, how what willpower starts, you know, popping up again. So maybe Hal Jordan, who's now, I don't know. He's in his late 40s, early 50s, or whatever. He starts just being able to harness willpower, and you know he becomes kind of like a, like a mentor type character to people, or whatever. You know, there's a million ways you can go with it, but I think that'd be cool. Hmm. So you both with the ten-year jump route? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Although I, I'm the time jump. Or line wide, Dan's time jump for just Green Lantern. Yeah, because I, th I think it's it's one of those, and Chad was away from the mic, but it's one of those where <clears throat> enough Green Lantern stuff is self-contained in the middle of deep space that if you wanted to have have a chunk of years pass for the Green Lantern characters out in space it wouldn't have to necessarily be reflected in the larger DC universe. 
And because, like, the visual way you represent these characters doesn't change very much over time anyway. It's not like you're going to all of a sudden have, like, like a blatantly 10-year-old or Hal Jordan standing next to Wonder Woman or whatever. And, like... <clears throat> So like all you have, like whenever whenever like John Stewart is teaming up with Superman, you just don't bring up the fact that John Stewart was just fighting a war for ten years in space. You know, it's it's that kind of thing. It's it's like, just like don't do those kind of shoehorned in moments that just point at other titles. Just like how do- how, how would you fast forward the time stream though? <clears throat> like they get sucked into a wormhole or something or what? No, I would just like I'm, like the books would distill down to probably just Green Lantern out of the Green Lantern line, but I would just like I don't know, I don't know if it would refresh the numbering or what, but like you know the the current age would end or whatever, and like 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 imagine if like they finish the current story arc they're on, and then next month new issue of Green Lantern takes place ten years in the future. Mm. And we're just following that kid, the new kid from Earth who gets a ring. And then, like, we follow him on his journey. You know, he goes to Oa and does all of his stuff. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just thinking about a, a title on the shelf called Green Lantern 2099. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, that'd be cool. I mean, I, I was thinking of the, along the lines of them just time hopping or something. But, no, uh, like, like, how, like, it would it would have kind of like Jim was talking about the questions of like well where are Kyle and John and Hal and Guy and Baz and all that stuff and like you would learn that kind of as you go and I, and like some of them are active some of them aren't maybe one of them's with the Justice League who knows and it's like but it's like it's all through the perspective of this new kid who would be like he's he's on the younger side and he's a some just some regular dude and he's being inserted into this universe that we're where everything we're familiar with is still in play like all the different cores and all that stuff it's just been allowed to progress without any of us hmm. so we have questions that we're going to learn the answers to gradually through him or her or kind, what kind, kind of like the um I mean, this is much further in the future, but kind of like the um, Sodom Yat storyline in Legion of Three Worlds. Kind of. You, you were kind of you were kind of following Sodom, and you kind of learned stuff about the core and what happened to it as you went. Kind of like that, except it would obviously not as far of a jump. Yeah. And it w- it would be the main feature, not like something that gets two pages every yeah. now and then. That's and the an core would still. Thing. And the core would still very much be there and be a functioning en- entity and all that stuff. And all the different color cores are still around and everything. It's just yeah. like... It would be like one of those... Like, if DC actually stopped publishing Green Lantern for a few years and then came back to it, and we would be reading it like, oh, I wonder I wonder what Carol's doing. I wonder if <clears throat> Larflees still has his battery. Like, that kind of stuff. Like, <clears throat> Except this, the focus of this would not default back to being the point of view of like one of the classic characters. It would just be it would be our entry point would be this new kid. And yeah, I, I think kid, but, you know. You know, kid is a good idea because um I don't know if you have you guys seen the solicits for the new Nova series? Yes, I like how young he is. Yeah. 
I think you're kind of getting what you're just you were just talking about, except maybe not in the future with this new Nova mm-hmm. title that's going to be coming out. Interesting. I would relaunch Green Lantern as Nova. How about that? <laughs> so we can we can start the Nova cast. It would be spectacular. <laughs> How old is uh, Nova now? He looks like he's ten or something, if that. Yeah, I think they're trying to <clears throat> to recapture, well, appropriately. Uh, they're trying to recapture this whole Spider-Man thing where he started when he was 15, you know? but And, like, the original Nova, the Richard Rider Nova, was supposed to be Spider-Man in space. Right. And now both of them have kind of grown up, so now they have their new Spider-Nova in space. Spider-Nova. <clears throat> Spider-Nova 2099 lantern. With a glow-in-the-dark cover. Yes. Obviously. <laughs> How it gets its power. Holofoil variant. Oh, man. Holla. Pop-up. Holofoil. Uh, you have think, to charge it up so it'll open, otherwise you can't read it. I, I, I think, think for my... What? I, I think my idea was the best of the three. But oh, well, <laughs> yep, whatever. I think for my idea, it would probably work best if like you started up like an Ultimates line. But, like... The whole point of Origin would be, like, just before the Flashpoint. So, <laughs> so you're basically, so you're working with the old continuity. So that that would draw a bunch of people in. And then you just, you know, you say, okay, this god wave came around, wiped out all powers, magic, blah, blah, blah. And somebody was smart enough to, you know, enact, like, um like, a shield around the Earth so we're not constantly being dominated by aliens with no superpowers. Um, and, you know, and then 10, 15 years later, here you go. Now here's the, the you know, DC Universe, and you can call it, you know, DC Universe Prime or whatever. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, my instinct first was to try and do, like, Ultimate Green Lantern, that kind of thing. But then I'm like, eh, fuck it. You know, let's, <laughs> let's just, like, <laughs> let's not... I'm like, you know what, we can do these changes and not be too pedantic about it. It's, a, it's not that huge. Ooh, pedantic. Yes, these are my 1230 <laughs> words. Getting all, lo- meat- getting all loquacious up on a lantern grass. <laughs> I find this meatloaf shallow and pedantic. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, meatloaf, listen to you. <laughs> I don't know, I'm, st- I'm still on breakfast. <laughs> uh, yeah, that sounds awesome, breakfast. Eggs and sausage. <clears throat> so I think what we've learned today is that whoever they bring on to replace Jeff Johns should not be any combination of the three of us. <laughs> <laughs> Except and, for me. And we should have eggs. And we should have eggs. You know what else you should have? A Larflees report? I was about to say cool Green Lantern merchandise coming out in two months, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> That's basically what I said. <laughs> <laughs> okay, way to completely crash and burn on that. <laughs> Go right ahead. All right. Um, hey, all I'll say is the first twenty minutes of this episode were gold. That's, uh, you know what? It was all downhill once uh, Ford joined. Yeah, I'm sure it was. We thought we were gonna have our first inaugural, you know, test flight between the two of us running things for ourselves, but yeah, <laughs> apparently not. Uh, listen, if I had slept a little longer, you would have. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. 
Green Lantern number... Oh, wait. First and foremost, the Larflees report is what this is, just in case you didn't know. Uh, and this is for the January previews for stuff coming out in March uh, or thereabouts, because, you know, some stuff gets really far in advance solicited. Um, this is... Um, solicits for stuff coming out in March, and mostly the Green Lantern titles all have to do with Rast of the First Lantern, which is... As we're reading these, eight, number 18 solicits is already ongoing. Um, Green Lantern number 18, written by Jeff Johns, art by Monkey and Alme. Uh, on sale March 6th for three bucks, as usual. The epic universe-shattering wrath of the First Lantern continues. Don't miss the shocking fates of Hal Jordan and Sinestro. And the First Lantern continues his cosmic life experience, experiments, but with a great cost to the core. Cosmic life experiments. I, don't th- I think these, this is the first time in a while that um, previews is actually kind of spoiling things. Because usually these these solicits are kind of vague. But cosmic life experiments, I don't I don't know what that is. It's pretty vague to me. Well, yeah. Couldn't most things be a life experiment? <laughs> I suppose. Um, and since we are in the universe, couldn't they all be cosmic? How existential of you. Uh, uh, do you realize how fast we're all moving right now? <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, Green Lantern Core number 18 out March 13th, same price, um, by Tomasi and Pissarin and Hannah. <laughs> you guys are going to like this. Wrath of the First Lantern continues. The First Lantern has already devastated Kyle Rayner. Now he sets his sights on Carol Ferris and the rest of the New Guardians. How will the First Lantern's unique, sadistic power shatter the lives of Larfleet, St. Walker, Arkillo, and the rest? I did mention this was a solicit for Green Lantern Core, right? <laughs> huh. Now if, I were, now, if I were to read the New Guardians 18 solicit out March 20th, same price, by Bedard and Cooter, Wrath of the First Lantern continues, After having ripped apart Guy Gardner, the First Lantern <laughs> now directs his singular and horrific power at Jon Stewart, forcing the Core... To see the light, to see the light and darkness of their lives in frightening new ways. I so, like <laughs> sounds like they got those switched. It sounds like it, doesn't it? The Maybe. the um, Green Lantern Core 18 uh, cover is pretty cool looking. It's actually got the first lantern in the background with a a marine like seven John Stewarts on the cover. Like him and him in his current uniform, him in the indigo uniform, him in the Black Lantern indigo uniform, him as a regular civilian, him in a mosaic costume, <clears throat> him in his military uh, garb, all this stuff. It's kind of cool looking. That's your Justice League right there. Seven John Stewarts. <laughs> yeah. Multiverse John Stewarts. So they just go around killing everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Wiping out planets. <laughs> <laughs> John Stewart, planet killer. <laughs> Your planet has been deemed for stewardization. <laughs> John Stewart is Galactus. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. John Stewart is the closest thing that the DC Universe has to Galactus. <laughs> <laughs> I hunger. <laughs> they just pass each other. They look at each my other, love- nod in I- approval, and keep going. <laughs> My levels of guilt are dangerously low. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm 
actually start to feel like a human being again. Can't have that. <laughs> Speaking of feeling like a uh, contributing member to society, Red Lantern's number 18. Uh, written by Peter Milligan with uh, art by Sepulveda, March 27th, same price. Uh, Wrath of the First Lanterns tie-in. Uh, the First Lantern terms his formidable gaze on Artrocitus and shows the High King of Vengeance that everything he believed about himself and the universe and rage has been pitifully wrong. And that's just for starters. Meanwhile, Rancor's attempts to live a normal life end in tragedy and a fight to the <clears throat> death with Blees. Nope. Yeah, doubt it. A fight to the death is never really a fight to the death. Oh, man. Between... Two characters. That's gonna be amazing. That's gonna be Blaze's final issue. I don't know about you guys, but I'm kind of worried about them. <laughs> um, and another comic featuring Green Lantern. Thresh- Although, wait, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm, when you say Rancor trying to have a normal life, do you? Does anybody else picture him like in full re- flame-haired Red Lantern uniform, like? Wearing an apron, bringing out like a cake to somebody, being like, "Hey, so what's the game on or what?" I, I kind of pictured him to, for my own whatever. I, I I pictured him in the the opening credits of uh, Up, just waking up, getting out of bed, going downstairs, having some coffee, checking the mail, sitting on the porch <laughs> as Red Lantern. Yeah. yeah. Uh. <clears throat> Thresh- Isn't that the book? <laughs> Threshold number three by Keith Giffen. Art by Tom Rainey. Backup story art by Scott Collins. Uh, March 13th for $4. Former Green Lantern Jediah... Jediah or Jedediah? I don't know. Uh, Jediah Call leads an assault on the powers behind the game. A very ill-advised assault. Introducing... Oh, God. Captain K-Rot. Oh, my Lord. And in the backup feature, the hunt for Larfleeze's stuff turns up evidence that the theft was an inside job. Does that mean a construct did it? Maybe it's Glomulus. Now, wasn't that spinning out of an annual? Yes. Yes. When does the annual come out? Like next Uh, month or something? Yeah. It's a New Guardians annual. Mm -hmm. Uh, Have you guys seen what Captain K-Rot looks like? Doesn't he have like a metal eye patch and like a ja- like a weird jacket? Does it look like a rabbit? Yes. Well, it's he looks is... he looks blatantly like the DCU's attempt at having a rocket raccoon. But it's it it's is Captain and, Carrot. Yeah, they're taking the uh, Earth Sea Amazing Zoo Crew character that was like a Superman parody, and they're making him into a New Fifty Two regular universe sci-fi rocket raccoon parody. Yeah. Yeah. I think this means we're losing the green lambkin, you guys. Oh, no. What? You don't know the green lambkin? Um, that's actually not Captain Carrot's universe. Yes, the green the green lambkin is from a different universe. There are two different um, animal universes. Why would they have two of those? Oh, God. <laughs> Why would they need two of them? <laughs> uh, what book is that called? Uh, Threshold. Threshold. Is that canceled yet? <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> All right. Uh, give it a couple. A couple, a couple of trades of note. DC Universe Secret Origins trade paperback. 
This is pretty friggin' awesome, and I've already got it on order at my LCS. Um, on sale April 3rd, so not March, but April 3rd. Uh, 328 pages for 25 bucks. Um, this collects the legendary secret origin annuals from the 1960s. Uh, and this you solicited as an amazing look back at how DC uh, heroes gain their powers and abilities. Featuring the notable works of Jack Kirby, Gardner Fox, Gil Kane, Carmine Infantino, Kurt Swan, and more. And it collects Secret Origins number one, more Secret Origins number one, even more Secret Origins number one, and weird Secret Origins number one. <laughs> hey, it, it was the 60s, man. What can I say? <laughs> See how the DC Universe gained their powers back then, because now it's completely different. Just don't tell anybody, because it's secret. Now, we talked about this bad boy last time uh, we had a regular episode. Um, this one is resolicited because all previous orders are canceled. Absolute Blackest Night hardcover. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> now, what's the difference? It's a resolicit on sale June 26th, 576 pages for $125. The difference is this, uh, it says expanded to include Blackest Night Zero, Blackest Night 1 through 8, Untold Tales of the Blackest Night number 1, DC Universe Zero, the Blackest Night Director's Cut, all of which we already knew was in there, as well as Green Lantern number 38 through 48, or no, sorry, number 43 <laughs> through 48, and number 50 through 52. So, now knowing that it includes the main Blackest Night series and the Green Lantern series, as well <laughs> as those little side issues here and there, is it now worth $125 to you? What happened in Green Lantern 49? The Jon Stewart side trip to uh, Zanji. Wait, is that not included in this? No. Alright, then I would... That's, that's good. Yeah, it's probably for the best. <laughs> the worst <laughs> issue ever written by a living human being. Now, uh, for $125, like, retail price, I'd say no. But now, <laughs> knowing, now knowing that it has all that in it, and let's say you got it off DCBS, it's worth it now. It, uh, well, they added on, like, 10 issues, so... And I think it's only $25 more? Yeah. And on DCBS, they'll probably do it at 50 How much does this thing cost again? 125. 125. 125, so half of that. Eh. Probably get it for 75. Uh, yeah, I'd say that that's pretty close to being okay. If you can if you get it off DCBS, <clears throat> yes. Oh god, yeah, don't buy it for full price at all. <laughs> it's not uh, I, man. There's no way that I would ever spend that kind of money on on that. But, I mean, I, I have it. I already have it. I've read it. You know, yeah. It was enough for me. I don't need it in absolute format. I think for some people, it's probably worth $125 because they really loved it or whatever. Yeah. Um, I mean, if, out there. if you really love Blackest Night and you want to sell your issues to contribute to upgrading to this, then, yeah, okay. Still only get it through DCBS. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, if, you, if you're that perfect combination of you love the hell out of Blackest Night 
you're willing to sell your issues or trades or, or whatever that you already have, and you can get it through DCBS for 50%, then this is perfect for you. <laughs> or, Just, if you're rich and want to support your local comic shop, then you can buy the $125 price tag. Yeah. This begs the question, though, why was it resolicited? Is it because people <clears> complained <throat> and they said there's no way I'm paying that much money for something that only includes that? Or did they resolicit it because they originally intended to have it with the Green Lantern series, but it didn't include it in the original solicit? Well, they clearly heard our show a few weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, <clears throat> so the first, the, the actual, the $99 one didn't come out? No, oh, it's, it says all cancels? previous. Yeah, it says all previous orders have been canceled. Okay, then I, I would see, I would imagine that it's probably because they didn't get enough pre-orders because people were complaining so much about it not including Green Lantern. Mm-hmm. It's like just including Green Lantern. It's like the very epitome of not an absolute. Yeah, yeah. I still would have liked to see Green Lantern core woven in there, but. Now, when a Blackest Night omnibus comes out, I might invest in that. But the Absolute, I really don't care about having an Absolute. That depends on how they do that. Because the omnibus, there's there's a lot of shit in there that you don't really need. (laughs) It it probably would have been better if they just went for, like, two $99 Absolutes and put all of Green Lantern Corps in there also. Yeah. Maybe had some of, like, the tie-in issues. Actually, no, never mind. No. no, no. <laughs> All right, let's see here. Uh, I usually don't mention it, but Green Lantern, the animated series number 12. Thank God. I was going to do this if you didn't. This time, the Interceptor crew needs the help of Mogo. Why? When a Red Lantern ring finds its way into the heart of the planet Greykill, it causes havoc. So, yes, a Red Lantern planet. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> So that's awesome. Sounds Jim. like we need John Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> Look at Bazinga. this cover. Look at this cover. You have Hal, Kilowog, Saint Walker, and the Interceptor flying, practically pissing their pants, flying, trying to fly away from this thing. But falling towards it. Yes. Well, gravity and all that. Yeah. This is so cool. Oh, and we should mention. The weekend we're recording this, DC Nation is back. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and they actually, I mean, they've started with the uh, the episodes that made it to iTunes the weekend of the New York Comic Con, but never actually aired. So this was the uh, Steampunk Green Lantern week. And new episodes, I think the season's going to finish out starting on this week and next week and all that. Alrighty, Green Lantern Simon <laughs> Baz action figure um, from DC Collectibles, which I don't know. I don't think we've actually mentioned anything recently from like figure-wise for Green Lantern because there really hasn't been anything. So I guess this is the first time some of you might notice that the uh, DC Direct has been renamed DC Collectibles, just so you know. DC Collectibles, uh, Simon Baz for twenty five dollars on sale May in May, and it's Simon Baz. He's got the metallic paint, so that's cool. He'll go with the other your more recent Green Lantern figures, so that's that's cool. 
Um, it's cool looking a, here. A couple of honorable mentions, just because <laughs> I thought they were cool. The uh, if if you guys are a fan of the show Arrow, there's a really cool looking uh, statue that's coming out from Gentle Giant. It's 150 bucks, but it's really cool looking. So just in case you're a big fan, um, I got an indie pick for you guys: Punk Rock Jesus, the trade paperback from Sean Murphy uh, through Vertigo. Um, I just got through reading the series myself in the single issues. It's a six issue series. Um, basically fast forward a few years into the future, um, reality TV has gotten the okay from the Vatican to take a <laughs> DNA sample off the shroud of Turin. They clone supposedly Jesus and they, they, they form they got, a, they form sorry, a reality sorry. show around this kid and it follows his process of growing up under this spotlight and being, assumed to be jesus in this day and age as well as the the storyline behind his bodyguard and it's a really really cool story and i won't read any of the the solicit itself i'll just read some of these uh quotes uh about the series a legend in the making comic book resources a blast of fresh air from crave online the best kind of sci-fi and meditation a meditation on liberty for the cyber age from pop matters will change the life of Sean Murphy and shoot him right to the forefront of the industry as one of its top young stars from Ain't It Cool News. It's a really good it's a really good series. It's 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 uh, deliciously sacrilegious is is what I've been calling it for a long time. I don't think I read that anywhere. I think I just came up with that on my own cuz I was raised in a Christian church and all that, so but it was it's it's a really good read and it's all black and white too, which actually really works to its advantage. It's awesome. So now it's I, uh, it's out on April third uh, for seventeen bucks, two hundred twenty four pages, mature readers only. Now I have heard people say that book is great, but like I never knew anything about the premise of it, so I was always like, yeah, whatever. If I'd known that, I probably would have been reading it, <laughs> just because it sounds so ridiculous. Um, you can read it in April if you can, if you want, because I am just going to go ahead and, um, buy the trade paperback, so I don't, I have no need for my issues. Hmm. I will think about that. Hmm. What happens in April? Oh, yeah. Are you yeah. definitely coming, Chad? Uh, I'm shooting for it. I mean, I've got the vacation time, you know, hopefully my tax return <laughs> will be nice and big, so, you know, I, I, I'm, it's looking like it, but I don't want to speak out of turn, so... Um, 89 days till Super Show. This this wasn't part of my original Larfleet report, but I just turned the page and saw it, so I thought I'd mention it. John Burns Fantastic Four Artist Edition. Oh boy, that's cool. I mean, it's uh, I think it's a please inquire. Yeah, it's a please inquire. So you know, our, especially artist editions, and added to that that it's John Byrne. Um, they're going to be freaking expensive, but I'm not a big fan of Fantastic Four, but I do know the name John Byrne. <laughs> <laughs> so you definitely want to check it out. It's 160 pages, 12 by 17 inches, uh, black and white hardcover. But you know what's unique about this is it's John Byrne's Fantastic Four Artist Edition put out by IDW. <clears throat> that's, yeah, that's kind of yeah. strange. Um... And something else Green Lantern related, 
uh, I highly suggest you pick up the magazine series back issue because it's always got a lot of cool interviews and stories about the you know the history and like the, about the 80s 90s publication of comics. Um, sometimes falling back to the 60s and 70s, sometimes. But back issue number 64 uh, on the cover is Green Lantern, Green Arrow, and Black Canary in their classic Neil Adams designs. So you know that that's going to be good. Um, it's nine bucks. Um, it's uh, 84 pages, but it's always nice, informative stuff. Um, it's a back issue, looks back on backup series of the Bronze Age. Green Lantern, Green Arrow, Black Canary, Metamorpho, Archie Goodwin, and Walter Simonson's Manhunter, uh, Mar- uh, Martin Pasco and Keith Giffen's Dr. Fate, Whatever Happened to Nemesis, Rose in the Thorn, and the Seven Soldiers of Victory. So all those backup series that were happening in various titles at the time, it's looking back on those specifically. So that's pretty cool. That's hey, cool. hey, Rose and Thorn. Hey. Well, Alan Scott connection right there. Mm-hmm. And just because it's solicited right above it, um, if you're a big fan of Joe Kubert, don't know a whole lot about him, but you you know you've heard about his death <clears> and you're curious about what he contributed to the industry, um, same price, but a publication called Alter Ego is putting out a Joe Kubert tribute uh, issue, uh, issue number one sixteen. So if you're curious about learning stuff about Joe Kubert, that's probably the best place to look. What's uh, what's coming from Eagle Moss this month? Uh, I just passed it. Hold on. Um, shite. I was just there. Oh, okay. Um, Eagle Moss. Okay, for Marvel, um, you have Spider-Man 2099. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Wiccan and, uh, a special figure, uh, uh like the, the oversized ones, right. uh, from Marvel. Scourge. Anybody knows who Scourge is? Is that 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 Avengers villain that killed all those extraneous supervillains? No, no. Who the hell is he? Um, the the if you remember when you were reading this Trzinski run of Thor, yeah. there were a couple like flashbacks to the past, like a long, long time ago, like Odin's time and before. Mm-hmm. This is Scourge. That's Scourge. Uh, okay. Is it yeah. like a white, all white? Huh? Um, is it a character all in white? No. Um, he's he's uh, in a kind of Roman battle dress. Uh, he's got armor on. He's wielding <laughs> a double-sided axe. The cover for his uh, the magazine that comes with him is uh, him leaping into an army wielding a. Uh, assault rifle. Hmm. Okay. Uh, um, and for for DC, you know, since they've moved on to doing uh, the chess pieces, um, for the black, <coughs> the black rook is Killer Croc, and uh, the white pawn is Azrael. Hmm. So, um, why there's no actual. There's no actual figures though. No, no actual DC figures anymore. They're all they're focusing on doing the uh, they're focusing on doing the uh, chess sets for now, the Batman chess sets. Um, let's see, DC Heroes Little Mates porcelain mugs. I don't know if anybody knows who the Little Mates are. 
you can look these up. Um, they kind of there's there's a couple of kid shows out now that have like really really basic CGI, and it's I don't oh. know. It's, yeah. Can you describe this, Senor Father? Um, it's like uh, <laughs> Chibi style, little superheroes. Oh, cool. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. No, actually, I just came across the figures myself on on eBay like a few months ago. Mm. Um, they're adorable. They're expensive, but they're adorable. And these are just mugs with their likenesses on it. And I'm assuming it's in a set or not. I don't know. But it's got Batman, Superman, Green Lantern, and Wonder Woman. Uh, and if you missed out the first time around, the fleece cozies with sleeves, a.k.a. poor man Snuggie, um, are resolicited. There's a Batman <clears throat> one, there's a Superman one, a Wonder Woman one, and a Green Lantern one. Uh, $27.99. The Batman one looks different from the one I have. It actually has a cowl on it. That's cool. Did not you, notice don't, it. you don't have a cowl on your Snuggie? Hey, hush. <laughs> Nerd. <laughs> and an honorable mention... Um, oh, by the way, the, my pick of the week... Pick of the week, 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 week. It was Punk Rock Jesus, the trade back. It was that good. Um... But an honorable mention, Batman The Dark Knight Returns Part 2 is coming out. Don't forget. Um, so oh, Blu-ray, the animated. Yeah. Yeah. The Blu-ray DVD combo pack, $24.98. The DVD itself, $20. Bucks. Um, and probably no surprise since it's already been mentioned in this show, my Marvel pick is the new Nova series that's coming out. Um, in this particular Marvel previews, the solicit is a bo- is for Nova number two, a boy, a helmet, and an intergalactic legacy. Okay, and it solicits the name of the, the age of this kid. Sam oh. Sam Alexander isn't just any fifteen year old. He's nice. he's just been recruited to the Nova Corps, the universe's police force. What do you get when you pair a raccoon, a green alien lady, and a scared teen- teenager? Amazingly awesome origin tale. Yeah, I pre-ordered. A, like a handful of Marvel Now number ones just to see how the first issue is to decide if I want to get it in trade. And, like, I know I have the first Nova coming. <clears throat> I'm not too too hopeful just because I think Jeff Loeb is writing it. Yeah. And he hasn't been that great for a little while. I, I'm really looking forward to the artwork because I love Ed McGinnis. Um, but, you know, I'll definitely talk about that. <laughs> and, uh, just it, it it was going to be my Marvel pick until I noticed the Nova thing. Guardians of the Galaxy number one is coming out, oh. written by Bendis and art by McNiven. Yeah, you know so that's, that's that's really just really great that Marvel is going to give another chance to some little name comic. <clears throat> All right, and. Passing by that attempt completely. <laughs> <laughs> and just where they were on the self list. Because um, we haven't even covered number 13s yet. <laughs> and we won't. <laughs> <laughs> number... well, we probably announced for this year we're just not covering Green Lantern at all. <laughs> yeah, we're done. Yeah, we're done. No more, no more regular issues. <laughs> That's a joke, guys. Um, <laughs> is this? Is it? <laughs> is it really? <laughs> Uh, at number 57, Red Lantern's number 14. 
Uh, at number 50, Green Lantern New Guardians, number 14. At number 45, Green Lantern Core 14. At number 16, Green Lantern, number 14. And just a couple of things I thought I'd note, uh, I'd mention. Right above Green uh, Lantern, number 14, at the slot for s- number 15, My Little Pony Friendship is Magic, number one. Woo! <laughs> <coughs> <laughs> so apparently, uh, My Little Pony Friendship is Magic, number one, outsold Green Lantern. <laughs> hey, I bought it. <laughs> Me too, actually. Uh, yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> is, why are we talking about that book? <laughs> uh, and and one other thing I thought I'd mention, just because um, I'm watching the TV series Arrow with a friend of mine, Jackie, and so I bought her the ancillary tie-in comic, and as we're all probably <clears throat> very aware, comics that tie into TV shows uh, after the fact kind of probably usually suck. <laughs> but... Arrow number one is actually on this chart, number eighty-seven. Weird. Is so, it good? Uh, I've I haven't read it, but I've you know flipped through it. The art looks cool. The story looks okay. But I've heard good things about it as well. So it probably sucks. No, it's it's I, apparently it's good. I don't I don't, <coughs> I don't remember the last time some freaking. Yeah, never mind. Anyway. Yeah. Whatever. So next episode, we're going to review Green Lantern and Arrow and My Little Pony, right? Friendship is magic. It is. It truly is. Is, Aren't we proof of that? We're friends? Ta-da! God, now you're putting thoughts in Chad's head. Someone's got to go in his head. Oh! What? Exactly. Exactly! Uh, No, we didn't hear you. Oh, I said, well, something's got to go in Chad's head. Ah, ah! Uh, now you guy. see. And that's the uh, Larfies report, as <laughs> thrilling as I'm sure it was for all of you. Yes, very. <laughs> Is that it? Can we be done now? Yep. <sighs> okay. Good night, everyone. No, you're doing the closing. You son yeah, of a bitch, you showed up late. Uh, if you want to contact us, you can do so. Lanterncast at gmail.com. You can go to lanterncast.com for the website. You can find us on iTunes. Just search for Lantern Cast or Green Lantern. We'll pop up, I'm sure. Uh, we have a voicemail number. It's um, 706-Lantern. 708. 708-Lantern, yeah. Um, and if you go to our website, again, that's lanterncast.com. We have uh, links to our Facebook page, our Twitter, our whatever's blogs, everything's there. We're on Stitcher. We're on Stitcher, too. We're in your car right now. We're in your face. Your Stitcher face. Happy New Year, everyone. Yeah, Happy New Year. We're in your lanterns killing your sectors. Say it like a cat. (laughs) What? Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in your sectors killing your lanterns. There, that's what was wrong with that. (laughs) That's it. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, let's talk about comics next time. <laughs> oh, God, do we have to? Number 13, oh. 14, and 15, all at once. Marathon. <laughs> It'll only be five minutes longer than our regular episode. <laughs> you know, granted the, the slow storytelling, I'm pretty sure we can knock out three as if they were one. <laughs> <laughs> 
I think we could definitely do 13 and 14 in one episode. Do we want to do it? Do we want to do eight books? Yes. Do we? Yes. Do we? <laughs> Knock it out really quick. Alright. Because we always do stuff really quick around here. Yeah. We're just going to limit each other. We'll have, r- like, r- buzzers. We'll get buzzers. <laughs> <laughs> r- 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 remind me again <clears throat> where the uh, link is for the Austin Comic Con interviews. <laughs> too long. <laughs> no, that? all we have to do, we <laughs> just have to. Too long. We just have to talk over each other the entire time, <laughs> so we have a, a doubly long episode that takes place over the same course of time. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yes. Oh, that, that's perfect, Dan. Is you, it? You can you can do the uh, the synopsis for thirteen. Chad will do the synopsis for 14 at the same time, and I'll listen. Okay, I gotta go, guys. <laughs> Jim's covering Red Lanterns next time. You jerk off, really? Wait, what happened? I the shit out of you. <laughs> what did you do? Lauren doesn't like the buzzer sound. Oh. Hey, Jim, you're covering Red Lanterns next time. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no, it's, it's it, our fans have come to expect this from you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> good luck with that. Have a good night. Good night. Good night. Go we'll text the text.